Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. She sent you a text saying, hey, we're coming up at the end of the two weeks. You know, we need right, the video. Right, right, right. And then you send her a video and she feels and the right. artist felt, because I saw both their texts, that maybe you right. rushed a little because um, there were things that were wrong with it that has nothing to do with Ms. Thomas's creative vision. This is the plaintiff, Jasmine Thomas. She says she was hired to direct a music video by the defendant, who claims he's a professional videographer, and the guy overstepped his responsibilities. She's not happy with the final product and is suing for the return of the $300 she paid him. This is the defendant, Keith Anderson. He says the plaintiff was disorganized. She didn't like the way the music video came out, and she's trying to blame all the problems on him. He's sorry, but he's a professional. He did exactly what the plaintiff wanted him to do, and he owes her zip. He's accused of not getting the picture. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Thomas, let's start with you. What kind of business are you in? Uh, I'm in the music industry. I'm a video director as well as an artist developer. Okay, all right. And you were hired by a particular artist to, to create a music video? Yes. All right, and tell me what that music video was supposed to entail and how the defendant comes into play there. It was gonna be about an artist that was kind of dreaming of making it big and he wanted to portray his journey on the things that he went through to get there. Okay, so you said you'd worked with Mr. Anderson before. How many times had you worked with him? Uh, too many to count. Like, well, literally you got over 50 so. videos. Over 50 videos. Oh, that many. 75. Okay. Like. So you hired Mr. Anderson, and you, you end up into, in an agreement, and this is the agreement that you both sign in January of 2021. Yes. All right. The agreed upon price is 300 so you pay him the $300. And what goes wrong? Um, just afterwards, he began to basically take me out of the situation where he, he wanted to film with the artist again um, to fix the video, which is completely fine. But it's like, how am I the director if I'm not even a part of the process? So what did he do? He started to communicate with the artist and um, basically like I, I didn't get any more communication. He stopped communicating with me. He met up with the artist, gave him the footage because the artist and I 
um, agreed that the video wasn't up to par. The the music was off. It was a little bit off key, uh, not off key, but like, you know how you see the video, but the words are not lined up with the mouth. Right. Um, a lot of the edits were, the transitions were bad. So Mr. Anderson gives you the product and according to the contract, you can, you know, redo and revise and edit together up to three times. So he gives you the product, you view it with the artist and y'all don't like it, right? You got complaints. Correct. I mean, you don't hate it. You just have complaints and stuff that needs to be fixed. So you reach out to Mr. Anderson, correct? Correct. What do you say to him? So when he sends the video, that's when we see the video. We say we don't like it. He, t he agreed that he would go ahead and fix the edits. He did not do that. Okay. And now, now, what now he says, we're a month later and we still don't have an edit. There was, at one point, there was a discussion where he said, well, give me the timestamps of what you want to change, right? Correct. We talked on the phone about timestamps because it, the video is horrible all throughout. The, there's not really a time that I can tell you the, the, the music is off. You see what I'm saying? There's no really time that I need to give you. I'm just telling you in general, the music is off. The transitions are not good. You see, there, there's nothing to really timestamp. We need to revise all together. We need to come back to the drawing board and do our meetup like we discussed so that we can really get into this, you see? And he didn't want to do that. Let me hear from you, Mr. Anderson. Uh, so we agreed to uh, shoot the video. Uh, we shot it all at one occasion because um, all throughout the video, it was like um, we just couldn't find like certain locations or whatever and she needed particular locations, but so we had to improvise a lot for the video. And um, so that's what we did. We improvised, we got everything that we could get done to at least try to try to make it make sense. Two weeks later, I sent her the video. But before that, she told me, um, I have the message She sent, right here, she sent you to... a text saying, hey, we're coming up at the end of the two weeks. You know, we need right, the video. Right, 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 right. And then you send her a video and she feels, and the right. artist felt, because I saw both their texts, that maybe you right. rushed a little because um, there were things that were wrong with it that has nothing to do with Ms. Thomas's creative vision. In other words, right. um, I hear what you're saying. You felt it didn't make sense. According to you, you claim the artist felt the story didn't make sense. But, you know, the bottom line is it's not your job to decide, what, you know, if, if she's going to fail at giving the artist a product, that's between her and the artist. She's hired you to take the video. So you're not the creative director. She's a creative director. And there were the, a lot of the complaints had nothing to do with that. It had to do with uh, the lips should move when the sound comes out. And that's all on right. you. So, so what happened here? How did the things break down so badly between you and somebody who, according to her, has given you business 75 times in the past? To me, it didn't seem like, like the business book now or whatever. Uh, I, I seen like, I feel like we stopped talking and she never said. Right. And I have this, person, I, ha I do have this text up where she says, I like it a lot, but a couple of times the beat didn't feel properly that, aligned and sometimes slow-mo was, and then you say, okay, send me the timestamps and I'll correct it. And then she sends you what the artist said. And then you say, all right. And she says, could I get the complete files also? To which you respond, the story was never really there because so much had to get compromised and was last minute. I can't do nothing about that. I will adjust everything else, so. Why are you, why are you even saying that? That's kind of hostile, and she couldn't have been more polite. And then what happens? Yeah, 
you start ghosting her. I need the footage. Then a day later, I need the footage today. And then a day after, two days after that, is there a problem? Why are you ignoring me? I'm not even pressing you for edits. I just want the footage. And then your next text to her is, he has the footage. What, when did you decide to start dealing directly with the artist? I've been talking to the artist. I just asked him uh, once, once she didn't send the timestamps, I just sent her a message and asked him um, particularly like what were the parts. And what did the artist do? He texted me back. Uh, he actually called me and we was in full agreement with everything. He said um, really all he really wanted to do to complete the video was add an extra scene to it. So to just to make it all make sense. Oh, so he didn't want to fix that the mouth moves at a different time than the music? He wanted that fixed No, we discussed, too, right? we, we, we discussed all of that, yes. So it was, it was okay. super slow at certain points of time, which, made, which I guess that could make it seem like the mouth was off. Do you guys have a copy of the video? Yes. When, um, when she told me, she said, well, he said he doesn't like, he doesn't like, I didn't like No, I'm sorry. this isn't the one he sent me. I feel like he's saying my name, Milian, Milian. <laughs> That's why I call him. <laughs> That'll be our new theme song around here. It's yeah. catchy. <laughs> okay. Can I just ask you, Mr. Anderson, why Ms. Thomas seems to be pretty upset that she contracted you mm -hmm. and that you went directly to the artist? And I can get that. You're undermining her. Um, you're affecting her relationship with the artist. You're making the artist work when you, the artist pays her so that she and you work. So why did you go directly to the artist and sidestep her? Because she never got back with the timestamps. So I just asked him that question. So why didn't you just ask her for the timestamps again or call her or meet with her like she was trying to do? I, I asked because her, I, asked I see where you ignored, just a second, I see you where you ignored her over and over for several days, okay? So it's hard for me to think that the reason you sidestepped her is because you kept haranguing her and she wouldn't give you timestamps. You asked once for the timestamps, and then she decides, I guess, that she's not even going to sweat you for the edits. She just wants the raw footage. She'll figure it out, which is even easier for you. And your response to her is nothing on day one, nothing on day two, nothing on day three. And then it's, oh, I already gave all the raw footage to the, to the artist. So I'm wondering why the hostility against her so much? I'm trying to figure it out because it doesn't make any sense. If she's someone who gives you business, why are you marginalizing her as a director the way you did? I actually, I don't know if you have the messages. I actually sent her a detailed message. She just never takes me back. There it is, yeah. Okay, so you ask her for the timestamps and then she asks you, I need the footage tonight at least. And then on Saturday, she says, is there a problem? Why are you ignoring me? I'm not even pressing you for the edits. Literally just need the footage. And then you say, I've been filming all day. He has the footage. And she's, in, she's surprised because she didn't expect you to deal directly with him because your contract's not with him. Mm. But I need it. I'm yeah. the director. You're literally breaching our contract. I paid you. You then say to her, the contract has nothing about giving you files, so I'm not breaching anything, Jazz. Me and him are in, at a complete understanding of what needs to be corrected or changed. Why are you dealing directly with the artist? You're trying to get hired directly by the artist, by dealing with the artist. You're probably bad-mouthing her and her work and her vision at the same time. And that is a breach of the contract that she hired you for. She answers, but my name is on the line and the contract is between you and I, not you and him. I am owed, period. Why isn't she right? 
Here's what you answer. The video was presented. A revision of the edits was asked for. I told you to send me the timestamps so I could better fulfill your needs. You didn't. The files have been given to the talent. And he is sending all the timestamps to the parts he wants. But see, what you either you know or you don't know is that he paid her to do this. So when you go directly to him, you're creating more work for him. And in fact, Miss Thomas, the artist wasn't pleased, was he? What did he say to you about the amount of work he had to put into this? The artist is so upset he doesn't, we don't communicate anymore. There you go. So you ruined the relationship between her and an artist that hired her. Tell me, Mr. Anderson, for how this is not a breach of your contract with Miss Thomas. Because I didn't come to him to have it be like that. I just came to him asking for the timestamp. But that's what happened. You ended up cutting out the person who hired you. And I don't even know why you would do that. I don't know if it's, you know, because you're too familiar with Miss Thomas, because she's a woman, because you weren't thinking. I don't care what your reason is. The end result is the same. You ended up affecting the relationship she had with the client. You undermined her completely. And then you're, you're sitting there talking about, hey, what you wrote didn't make sense anyway. And then you end up dealing directly with her client who now doesn't hire her. How do you figure that that's not a breach and of your contact him. with her? It is. And loves him. So I bet he's hiring him now. So yeah, that's great. Yep. You do so at your own peril. I hope it was worth it because you're going to return her $300. Verdict for the plaintiff, $300, plus, of course, your court costs. Thank you. So the plaintiff prevails. She will get her money back from Mr. Anderson. Uh, Mr. Anderson, let me ask you something. You heard what the judge just said to you. Uh, do you understand her decision and why she made it that way? Yes, I understand. You feel bad? You should. I mean, you really did do something totally wrong here. No, I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. I guess it was just went about the wrong way. So. Well, you learned a lesson the hard way, I think. All right, Ms. Thomas, uh, you know, I think everybody feels for you. You really did. did kind of get cut out here. Obviously, you're not going to work with him anymore, are you? It's messed up to say that I love Keith. Like, I really want to work with him still. And I just hate that this happened because now I lost the relationship with him and I lost the relationship with the yeah. artist. And I just want to say exactly. there was so much more that I wanted to address in the case, but it is what it is. I won. So at least we get to see that I'll fight for my, my artists. All right, that'll do it. Thank you very much, Ms. Thomas. All right, Harvey, what do you think? You know, Doug, we've talked about this before. When you text somebody in the middle of a job and you want them to respond, you can't expect them to respond like that. But at a point, if they don't respond and you lose confidence, you do have a right to protect yourself, to mitigate your damages, and it may even be to hire somebody else. So if you are on that other side and you get a text from somebody in the middle of the job, you got to respond in a reasonable amount of time. How do I sue someone if I don't know their address? Yeah, well, you can't. You got to know their address. I mean, there are, there are statutes in, in most states where if you've tried everything and they're ducking you and you can prove they're ducking you. Avoiding service. Avoiding process. service. You might be able to just publish it in a paper. But the bottom line is that you really, in almost every case, you have to find them in order to sue them. And right. so nowadays it's a lot easier with the Internet and skip right. tracing services. And What's a skip tracer? Doing? A skip tracer kind of goes through every Internet presence and finds out the addresses that you've ended up giving right. uh, in the past right. uh, and kind of 
tries to help you find that's that person. That's the first step they do. Otherwise, they, they, they go through your garbage. They'll do anything to try. Yeah, to I mean, you know, it, it depends. Right. For small claims, it's usually yeah. not going to be worth hiring an investigator unless you're really right. angry. But, I mean, a skip um, tracer will do the job for a couple hundred bucks usually, right? Uh, actually, and you can even go. There's lots of services right online that for 30 bucks right. you know, or for something, they'll... Uh, the thing is, are you getting accurate information? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Mr. Flores. He says he rented a room from the defendant, and the guy out now cheated him. The day he and his partner were supposed to move in, he was told he couldn't due to COVID regulations. He's suing the scammer for $1,434.67, the amount he's owed. This is the defendant, Mark William Hiles. He says his current tenants were causing problems for the plaintiff, and it was the plaintiff who backed out of their deal. He's sorry, but he simply doesn't owe the plaintiff any money. He's accused of being a double-crosser. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that he rented a room from the defendant. Turned out to be a very hostile environment and says the defendant tried to hide that fact from him. But the defendant says his other tenants started causing some problems which he had no control over and he's sorry but owes this guy nothing. It's the case of I live in a hostile environment. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Mr. Flores, what happened? So on October 27th, um, I responded to the ad um, that um, Mark posted on Craigslist. Um, it was for a small room in a house in San Francisco. So on October 28th... So at some point you agree that you're going to rent a room mm -hmm. from him in a particular yes. house. Did he tell you that mm -hmm. there were other people living in the house? Yes, he did. He said that... Um, uh, a couple were living inside the house um, that I'll be sharing the house with them. Okay, didn't you want to meet them before you handed money over to make sure you liked them? What if there was a huge problem? Uh, I didn't think anything of that. Um, at the time, I was just looking for a place to live. And um, that, you know, it, it was just within my budget. Okay, so you paid him October's rent of 645 and then you paid him, um, well, you paid him a total of 1000 right? Yeah, so that yeah. would have been partial November rent. Did you see it? Did you yes, see the yes, place? Yes, yes, ma'am. Okay. So you go um, to see the place, and what happens when you go see the place? Um, when I got there, yeah, so he showed me around the room, uh, the house, and um, I met a gentleman named Lawrence that lived in the property as well. Um, there were an um, altercation between them two. Uh, Mark said a what comment to him. What do you mean they started an altercation? Was, what happened? So Mark um, made a comment to Lawrence. Lawrence was sitting in his in his car while he was um, waiting for the sweeper to come by, and so um, Lawrence didn't like the comment that he made. So 
Lawrence got out of his car and went towards Mark. Mark ran inside the house, slammed the door in, in Lawrence's face, and Lawrence was able to get in the house. And so at that point, you know, I told I, I jumped in. I say, hey, you know, you don't want to start any problems. And then so Lawrence left the house and um You must have been desperate for housing. I was, ma'am. Cause I would stay pretty clear yeah. of this place. All right. So you end up giving him the rent. And then what happens on the day you're supposed to move in, which is what day, by the way, were you supposed to move in? October 1st. Okay. So on October 1st, you drive over there, ready to move in. You got your stuff with you, you and your partner. And mm-hmm. what happens? So um, I opened the door. The door opened, but a latch blocked it from opening all the way. So I knocked on the door a couple of times. Then I knocked on the window that was near the door. And then um, a gentleman um, came to the door and said, you know, what do I want? And I said, well, I'm moving into the room that I rented from Mark. And he goes, you're not allowed to rent the room, you know, because of uh, COVID restrictions or something like that. So at that point, I got kind of upset and I hit the door open, I, you know, with my shoulder. And so it opened up and I come to see, I guess, the couple. Um, the, the gentleman who I was talking to and a female and the female was on the phone. And so, um, at that point, that's when my partner said, let's, you know, let's go. So I got in my car. Cause she and, was calling um, the police. I, I believe. Yes, she was. Yeah. Okay. So I did submit it. All right. So you leave um, and then you th- call Mr. Hiles and do you tell Mr. Hiles, Hey, what up? I didn't have access to the place I rented from you. I want my money back. And what does he yes, say? I call him right away. And then he goes, you know, what's going on. So I told him the whole situation that happened. And then I also mentioned, you know, if I did cause any damage to the door, I'm willing to pay for it. You can deduct it from the thousand dollars. He said, um, so are you sure you don't want to live there? He's like trying to <laughs> persuade me to, to continue living there. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, no, I don't want any problems. This is the second incident that happened. At this house, I'm done. I want my money back. And um, he said, okay. So he said, I understand. Um, Let me figure out how to, you know, get you your money. Right. Does he get you any money? Does he return any money to you? Yes or no? No, ma'am. No, Your Honor. Does he ever tell you why or does he just stop answering your calls? He just stops answering me. Mr. Hiles, what's going on? Well, um, on October 1st, he did come to the house. Um, as he yeah, no, let's get and, past uh, that. So he's he goes in there, he's well, he trying saw, to rent it. Yeah, what he happened? Saw when he showed, well, when I showed it to him, he saw that there was a lot of um, bad energy there. And when Lawrence came up and basically was going to punch me out. And so shame, shame, on, shame on him for trusting that you had control of the bad energy. Mr. Hiles, well, you he took said, money from the guy for an apartment and the guy couldn't get in. Why do you still have his money? That's what I'm trying to understand. Well, a couple of things. Okay, he has the only key I have to the property. Um, I gave him the key, and I said, please return the key if you, you know, or make a copy of the key and return the copy so I have access back to the room. Which, uh, short story long, um, he, uh, he knew there was conflict in the house. He said, hey, I'm okay with it. I really need a room. I go, okay. So then when he backed out, I said, which he didn't mention, I said, I will he come up there out. right the now. The guy and- wouldn't let him in. They had a barricaded door. 
And then they're calling the police on him. How is that him backing out? How is that not a you problem? You've got tenants in there who probably aren't even paying rent, who are taking advantage of the COVID situation and who have decided they want to live alone and they want full access to the house. You know, whether rightly or wrongly, they don't want somebody else to come in. They want to pretend they rented a five-bedroom house or whatever. But that's a you problem, Mr. Hiles. How is that something that's a him problem? Why does Mr. Flores now have to forego $1,000 for a place he couldn't get into? Because you've got tenants who are nasty. He knew there was a problem, tenants. He knew there may be an issue about getting in. I said I would come up there and meet him. He knew there might be an issue about getting in. Why? Because the tenants are mad at you for something? They're always in San Francisco. You don't think that at a minimum, your body should have been there with a key to your place to let him in on that first day and make sure things went smoothly. You literally gave him the only key you have. Now you don't even have access to the place. Well, no, I've been there since then. I um, was able to get into the room. I've set up a bed for myself, and I'm planning, you know, they were a little bit hostile when I went there, but they just, they rolled over right away once they saw that I was firm, and I told Mr. that, let me just meet you there. Well, I'll get you in right away, and once you establish yourself, it wasn't that big of a deal that, you know, they're just like a dog that doesn't bite, you know. They just, um, they were intimidating him, and, and he understood because his partner is on probation and didn't want to be involved with any police action, and I can really, I can understand, understand that. That makes sense. Of course he doesn't want to have police action. He doesn't want to move into a place where people are calling the police on him. He doesn't want to, you know, he sees his partner barge through the door already. Yeah, he doesn't want any part of this. So Neither I does said- anybody else. Because they were barricaded from coming into the place you rented them. That is a you problem. You said you would return the money, and then you didn't. What happened? I was going to still charge him for one month's rent. Did you? Oh, really? That's That's rich. No, you're not. Yeah. You're not. No, yeah. I got news for you. You're not going to charge him a penny because the guy tried to move in and you have rented to people who added a second lock and wouldn't let him in and called the police on him. That right. is not giving him access to an apartment. So you're going to give him back his entire $1,000. That's what's going to happen. You're entitled to the 1000 You're entitled to prejudgment statutory interest since the day that you paid him the thousand. You're entitled to your court costs because you shouldn't be out any money. And, uh, and I wish you good luck. And I wish you good luck. I don't know what you're going to do. You've moved in there so you can keep control of the situation. You still can't evict them? No, no. Um, COVID has messed up everything, as we all know. So, yeah, we're, we're bed buddies. So they haven't paid rent well. since when? March, yeah. March. And so March, now yeah. are you actually living in the apartment? I'm going to go up there periodically and just stay the night. And, of course, my girlfriend won't go with me. It's too hostile. But uh, Oh, you think? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll go up and just... Oh, but uh, they're like a dog that won't bite. Okay. Mr. Howes, pay this man his money, will you? This is, this is just wrong. That's my verdict. Good luck, folks. Thank you, Your Honor. So the plaintiff is going to get $1,000 back. Mr. Howes, the defendant. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You were trying to charge him on um, a month's rent and the guy couldn't even get in the building how could how could you think of you're going to prevail on that well i thought because when he came there um i was getting ready to be in a fist fight with this tenant that lives in the back and he defended me which was very honorable but he knew i mean i felt like he knew that it was going to be a a stretch to get a room in san francisco for under 500 dollars approximately 500 dollars 
um, I thought he had more, um, I don't know, uh, aggression that he could just and, and your girlfriend won't even go there because it's too hostile? <laughs> you think the guy would feel safe being in there? Yeah, pretty. I know. The whole COVID has just really messed everything up. All right. Well, good luck to you. Mr. Flores, how, are you, how do you feel? You're going to get $1,000. You didn't get everything you wanted, but hey, look, you're going to get your money back, okay? Yeah, um, I feel great about it. Um, you know, at least I got my money back and I'm able to use that to my, uh, for my next place. Have you found a place to live yet? In, San, in the San uh, Francisco not, no, area? Not it is expensive. <laughs> not yet? It well, sure is. Yeah. Well, good luck to you. That'll do it for this case. Let's see what the judges have to say. Yeah. Wow. Really, it's just, you know, this situation of this pandemic has left these kinds of situations like uh, a game of musical chairs between, you know, a vendor and a purchaser or a landlord and a tenant. There's money and the money gets thrown up in the air and the last one, the guy who's caught without a chair doesn't have money. That's right. And what happened here is the landlord ran over and grabbed the chair and knocked the other guy's butt out onto the floor <laughs> and kept a thousand dollars. Yeah. You just can't play that way. Because when he had last gone around, somebody ripped him off of right. $10,000. Right. And everybody and, wants to and fade he, you know, the heat and fade and the So he feels ripped else. off because he can't pay his mortgage. And, you know, and uh, yeah, it's just a mess, a mess all the way around. Oh, my God. This better end soon. <laughs> uh, Jake wants to know this. Hey, Harvey, I've been watching the People's Court since the Wapner days. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a special People's Court show featuring the very best cases from all four of the judges? Well, yeah, I think that sounds like an interesting idea. Here's the thing about that idea. I don't own this show. Stu Billet does. So write Stu Billet. <laughs> That'll do it for this case. Litigants for the next case inside the courtroom. This is the plaintiff, Karina Montoya. She says she hired the defendant to design and make a wedding dress, and the woman totally dropped the ball. She had to leave for her wedding in Las Vegas with no dress due to the defendant's ineptitude. And she's here suing her for the $1,561.71 she is now owed. This is the defendant, Sasha. She says she mailed the dress, and according to the tracking number, the dress was delivered to the plaintiff. She's never had a disgruntled bride in her career. She definitely doesn't owe the plaintiff a refund, and she thinks the judge is going to agree. She's accused of a dress disaster. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says that she hired the defendant to make her a wedding dress, which she did, but the inept woman put it in the mail and it didn't arrive on time. The defendant says she sent the dress priority mail, so she has tracking numbers and owes this new bride bubkis. It's the case of, with this dress, I be sued. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Okay, Ms. Montoya, you were getting married. And where were you gonna get married? In Las Vegas. Okay, and where are you from? Seattle, Washington. So you contract Ms. Sasha to create your wedding dress, and how is it that you two knew each other? Um, I lived in Virginia, and we worked there. Um, I just recently came back to Seattle in 2019. Okay, so tell me what happens. 
Um, so I reached out to Sasha in October um, to see if she would be able to design and create a wedding dress for me for February. She agreed. For what date was your wedding? My wedding date was February the 27th. Right. So by when did you want the dress? I needed it prior to February the 20th because I was actually going to Vegas and we decided on the date of February the 14th for the invoice. Okay. So you were going to pay her a, a nice chunk of money. You were paying her $800 for your wedding dress. And you Correct. put a deposit of 400 and then you paid another 400 when? On February 17th. Did you ever send her a picture of what you wanted? So the one on the left is the dress I actually okay. ended up wearing. Okay. And the one on the right is what you had wanted. Correct. That's okay. the dress that she made. Okay. Now, February 17th, you're paying 400. You're supposed to be getting the dress on February 14th. So what happens on February 14th? So on February 14th, I still hadn't received the dress. She said she was still sewing it. I guess there was a bad storm in Virginia. Her electricity went out in February 17th. She said she would be able to go ahead and drop it off at the post office. She was going to have it overnighted. So what happened? The 18th, I waited all day. I was thinking because of the time difference. Um, and then on the 19th, when my mail actually came and there was no package, I reached out to Sasha to let her know that I still hadn't received the dress. Sent her a picture of the tracking number from U USPS on there um, to show that it was still in Richmond, Virginia, in the facility. It hadn't moved. Did you send the wedding dress overnight you, uh, on the, with the U.S. Postal Service, Miss Sasha? Yes, ma'am, I did. I did next day shipping. Uh, it's not like the U.S. Postal Service has been slow or anything lately. So when did it get there? Per the tracking, it says it got there on the 24th. Oh, good Lord. Can I see proof that you overnighted it? Express one day. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't work out too well. You end up trying to solve it or you're maid of honor, you're freaking out, you don't have a wedding dress, you're leaving. So you ordered two dresses to be delivered to Vegas. Um, and how much was that, Ms. Montoya? $161.70? Yes. So let me hear from you, Ms. Sasha. Why is it that a dress that you got paid $800 to create that and, and make that was supposed to be delivered on the 14th uh, was in transit until the 24th, um, missing the bride entirely. Tell me what happened. What is your side of this story? Absolutely. Thank you, Judge. Um, so as Karina stated, she did hit me up October 20th wanting a gown. Um, according to my website, states, if you want a wedding dress, I need four to five months. Um, I let her know that, yes, I can make the gown. The original sketch that we agreed upon was very simple. Um, cause I let, she let me know that her wedding was February and I'm like, that's really cutting it close. Um, in a phone conversation, I told her, I was like, listen, I can get the dress done. So long as you don't make any changes. She promised me she wouldn't make any changes. And I was like, okay. Um, once you make the deposit, it's non-refundable. I use that money to buy the fabric. And that's kind of where it all started. In the midst of me buying the fabric, we did have to make some changes because uh, the fabric choice changed. And she originally wanted it to tie behind her back. I let her know due to the fabric that we chose, it was a little bulky. So she just went backwards. Due to the fabric um, that we chose, that's the fabric you chose, right? Um, it was a choice between the stretchy fabric and the fabric that she wanted was something more, more shiny. She wanted more sequins. And I was like, okay, if we go with the sequins, it's bulky. So it won't be able to tie in the back. 
Okay, so you gave her a choice and she picked her choice. And then what happens? Um, from there, I started the design process in which I continued to send her updates. My client did make changes that set me back. I was like, okay. Okay, but let me ask you a question. If the reason it got to her late is because of all her changes, then don't change it anymore and don't get it to her late. But the person who was mailing it out four days late was you. And if you couldn't accept changes, then don't. But if you accept the change, then the premise is you're still going to abide by the contract. I realize you tried, but, you know, the U.S. Postal Service has been notoriously bad during COVID. Notoriously bad. I won't even mail my checks on my bills anymore because I'm sick and tired of having them say, hey, we never got your check. God bless them. God bless every U.S. Postal Service employee who is watching now. Please don't send me mail. I know you're all doing your best, but the bottom line is that it's a problem, and that's why you don't wait until the last minute, everybody, because here's a surprise. Everything's going to go wrong, and that may sound like a negative way to go through life. I consider it forewarned. I mean, when you were supposed to have shipped it on the 14th, if you had shipped it on the 14th, it would have gotten there before she left. You know, if you're going to wait until the last minute to mail something, you need to expect that stuff is going to go wrong. So don't wait until the last minute. You've got to leave buffers for everyone else to, you know, not do their job. I mean, look at this. You know, a beautiful dress. Everybody puts so much money and work and effort into it. Poof. What do you think I'm going to do now? If it didn't get there and she couldn't use the dress, do you think I'm going to make her pay for the dress? I'm not going to make her pay for the dress. Okay, so I'm ruling in favor of the plaintiff in this case, but not you can't. I know that it was very painful and that you suffered a great deal. I know that. But pain and suffering is for like personal injury cases. It's not for a, a breach of contract case. It's, I'm not saying that this wasn't painful and that you didn't suffer. Believe me, I know it. But there are certain cases where you can get pain and suffering. A contract's case isn't one of them. And what this is, is a breach of contract's case. So you've already received 400 from PayPal, correct? Correct. All right, so I'm going to order the other $400.01 paid to you and the $161.70, which I consider a consequential damage because you're trying to figure out how to solve the problem. So verdict for Ms. Montoya, $561.71. Thank you. So the plaintiff prevails. She gets $561, not the $1,500 she was suing for. Ms. Sasha, what, uh, what are you thinking right now? It's just a learning experience um, now that I know that after going through this, because all in all, she was a friend, and I really wanted to get her dressed, and nobody could have predicted a storm and USPS um, getting it late. I've used them before, and they've always done it, even in the midst of COVID. So that's more on my end. I'm turning that. I'm taking that as a learning experience to incorporate into my business to allow buffer, as the judge said. Well, that's good advice for you. Okay, hopefully you'll you'll adhere to that, and it'll help you out in the future. Ms. Montoya, how are you feeling now? Does this help soothe things a little bit? Um, a little bit. The monetary wise, I can't get that day back. I don't plan on getting married again, and I don't even know whatever happened to the dress because when I came home, it looked here. So, most important thing is how is married life? Oh, it's good. We're a couple weeks in. We're about to hit one month, so <laughs> we are enjoying it. Okay, at least we end on a smile. All right, thank you very much. Congratulations, and that'll do it. Thank you, Harvey. 
Doug, this is a really interesting case because the contract doesn't say exactly um, how far before the wedding the dress has to be sent, but it is the responsibility of the dressmaker to make sure it arrives on time. And that means you may do next day delivery, whatever you do, priority mail, if it doesn't arrive on time, she's stuck. Do you have a teacher story about the difference that they made in your life? I had a teacher in high school named Mr. Piscatelli, mm -hmm. who you I have know. Met That's right. Who was my government teacher, and I begged him to create a law class, and he did. And St. Brendan still has that law class that he created back then. And he and I have stayed in touch, and um, I, I often go back to St. Brendan's and speak to the so classes. You got them to make a law? You were, you were that kind of a troublemaker even then. Yeah, you? pretty much. And uh, law. that's right. And that was the first thing that made me fall in love with the law.